This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer. And today, we're going to talk about something a little bit different. You know, a lot of progressives are split as to whether to vote for Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. Today, our guest is Maurice Mitchell. He's the national director for the Working Families Party. They're a progressive group that thinks the Democratic Party is too beholden to corporate interests. They made news recently by endorsing Warren over Sanders. We asked Mitchell why they did that and what he thinks about influential young progressive House members like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez endorsing Sanders. And for those of us here in California, he explains something even more important. What the hell is the Working Families Party? And could it provide a home for Democrats frustrated with their own party? Maurice Mitchell, next on It's All Political. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Maurice Mitchell, welcome to It's All Political. Welcome to the city of St. Francis. It's great to be here. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Pleasure. So you are the national director of the Working Families Party. For those of us here in California, maybe not as familiar mm -hmm. uh, with the uh, Working Families Party, which is big in New York and, f what, 14 other states. Mm -hmm. Explain to us what that is. Yeah, so the Working Families Party is an electoral movement of people that are committed to the interests of working people um, and we're focusing on creating a politics and a world and a country for the many, not the few. And we do that by focusing on municipal, statewide, and sometimes federal elections where we're able to create a pipeline of everyday people or people who are accountable to everyday people so that they could significantly change our economy and our democracy um, in ways that we think would be necessary for, like, for you know, people like my mom and your cousin or whoever could live lives where they could derive pleasure and joy and aren't that isn't interrupted by the interest of like organized capital or big banks or you know an unaccountable police force, for example. So that's what we do, um, and we we think that what we do is the countervailing political force uh, against sort of the traditional two-party system where. The Republicans are completely captured by corporations and the far right and racist. And the Democrats are kind of having an existential crisis about whether or not the, the Wall Street wing of the party or the grassroots wing of the party will win. And we, we have an interest in the grassroots. All right. So Tom Perez, who sat in this very seat, uh, he might say, well, the Democrats, we're for the you know, everyday people too. How, what differentiates the Working Families Party from the Democratic Party? Look, I think 
I think most people who are listening understand that a D next to somebody's name is not the clearest differentiating quality, right? I think you could think in your head about a Democratic politician uh, that it might be even be on the local level that is not responsive, that is more responsive to people like the real estate lobby or, um, you know, big, uh, you know, big oil or, um, you know, a large utility than everyday people, right? And so the distinction between R and D, unfortunately, is insufficient. And so we need other ways of knowing that elected officials are actually accountable to our interest. And there's a lot of unlocked energy, right? There's young people, there's people of color, there's LGBT people. There's so many people who have been outside of politics who are trying to find opportunities to to, uh, represent their communities. And there's people who want to represent the values that I talked about before, right? And that's what our work is. And that's why D is insufficient, right? It's true in our binary politics, the Republicans have embraced and doubled down on some of the worst, most virulent type of racism and misogyny and everything else. But that doesn't doesn't give a pass to Democrats to just be like, we're not doing that. We want to understand- We're not those guys. We're not those guys. We understand positively what you're actually for. And we think that that matters. And the reality is, um, you know, there's big forces, right? There's big um, multinational corporations and millionaires and billionaires who, unfortunately, because of the decades of the degradation of our uh, uh, democracy, have undue power in our system. And the Democrats, unfortunately, have danced with those forces and haven't been an effective bulwark against those forces. Mm -hmm. And working people, everyday people who don't have access to billions of dollars need political homes and political instruments and vehicles like the Working Families Party and many other organizations that have been emerging, especially during this moment of social movements. And so, like, the other thing I will say is that the Democrats, like the DNC, the DCCC, the DLC, they raise and spend money in order to get um, Democratic elected officials elected. The Republican Party has been captured by radical far-right ideologues who are seeking to extend their revolutionary anarcho-capitalist agenda. And so that's a mismatch. One party raising spend money to get Democrats elected. The other party to advance this revolutionary agenda. And they're doing it with great impact. And if we want a countervailing force to balance out the Koch brothers and their money and everything else, we need the power of organized people who are unapologetic about the fact that they're not going to do that dance with corporations and the wealthy. What, how would you define a, what a working family is? Like specifically, I think I, I know many people who might be middle class or upper middle class and they'll be like, well, I'm working. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, or is it the, someone who's making, you know, less than $70,000? I mean, sure. what, 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 um, how yeah. would you def- who, what is yeah. a working family? Because uh, everybody, yeah. Yeah, as opposed uh, to people just like sitting around being <laughs> trustafarians or, you know, or, or not working at all uh, or what, what is it? I'm glad that you asked that question, right? Because yeah. we want to be in a conversation around what that means, mm-hmm. right? So let's take the word working. What mm-hmm. we don't mean, we're not talking narrowly about people who are em- employed in the sort of formal economy, right? Anybody who gets up every day 
and has to work or hustle in order to make ends meet, that person is working mm -hmm. um, in this society. And it includes people who are both employed and people who are not classifi classified as, as being employed mm -hmm. in the formal economy. And then family, that's not just the nuclear family. That's not simply people that you have a biological relationship to. Um, there's all different types of family structures. There's our chosen family. Um, some of us, because of, of the identities that we assume, um, don't have access to our biological families, and they don't accept us, and we have to develop new types of family relationships. Those are families, too. Hmm. So when we're talking about working families, we're actually talking about like an expansive set of people with all different types of experiences um, you know, in this country. And we think that it's a powerful frame that includes poor folks, working class folks, and folks who might identify as being middle class, but actually, honestly, are one or two, um, you know, one or two uh, paychecks away from um, losing everything that they might have, right? We, this, we're in an economy right now with many of the people who have identified as being middle class. They're also experiencing the fact that this economy is not supporting them in ways that, that traditionally it has. We're actually in like a, a crisis of capitalism, right, mm. where even... It's amazing. Like even some of the people who are the sort of most bullish proponents of of capitalism historically are questioning uh, are questioning neoliberal capitalism as a structure that could be sustainable um, in you know over the next few years. And everyday people are feeling it. And classes of people who historically have gotten some privilege from this economy are no longer experiencing that. Mm. And so we think the frame working families actually includes all those people. Um, your party made headlines in the last couple of weeks when it endorsed uh, Elizabeth Warren mm -hmm. over Bernie Sanders. Now, I know there's, uh, when I talk to progressives here in California, they are torn. Yeah. They, they're like, do I, do I support Bernie Sanders? Do I support Elizabeth Warren? Why did you guys um, uh, endorse Warren over Sanders? I, would I, know, I know there's a very uh, meticulous uh, endorsement process, but, but, it's, but when it came down to it, why did you endorse it? Sure. So I would say, I would say two things. Number one, um, we couldn't be more excited about our endorsement. And we think that Elizabeth Warren, like, if you, if you go back um, in 2015 before either Elizabeth, before Bernie announced, we were on the front lines trying to recruit Elizabeth Warren to run. Right. Mm. And and she decided not to. Bernie got in. We endorsed Bernie and we were so uh, proud again to endorse endorse Bernie. Um, and so and the reason why we were so interested in having her uh, be our candidate at the time was the work that she did challenging organized capital, challenging Wall Street and her focus on translating some of the stuff that is like often mystified to everyday people mm -hmm. into everyday speak and to explain why constraining these folks, um, how, that, how that actually relates to, every, to your day-to-day -day life, right? And so she has a unique ability, and I think it's partially because of her time as an educator, as a middle school teacher, to be able to articulate the scale of these structural uh, change problems that we're facing, these structural problems in, in our economy and our democracy, um, articulate it, it you know, in a way where we're clear about the fact that, yes, your eyes and ears aren't deceiving you. The system is rigged. 
um, there are a group of individuals and institutions that rigged it, and she's able to explain how it happened. And then she has a, a, a sensible and bold prescription of how we unrig it. And she's been consistent in doing that. A, B, C, yes. all the time. And I think, like, if we're trying to organize a, a mass movement of everyday people, we need a communicator like that. And the way that she's pers- been pursuing her, her campaign, she's been investing in organizing in, in ways that if you just look at the consistency of how she's been building momentum, it shows that her investments in organizing, her team, um, her strategy is paying off. The last thing I'll say is, you know, the, the level of rigor um, for example, and the intersectionality, when I say intersectionality, I mean the fact that, you know, her LGBT plan, for example, there's a plank that's specific to the, um, the uh, attacks on black trans women, for example, the climate justice uh, plan. The climate justice plan is, when you read it in depth, it talks about the unique impact that class and race has on people's experience of the environment and em- environmental calamity. And so the the fact that she's choosing not to be race and class and gender neutral, um, I think is really powerful. And it tells people in different communities, like, I'm listening, right? I'm listening and I'm, I'm, I'm subject to your voices. And that's impacting me and how I look at the changes that we need to make. All those things, I think, make her a very, very powerful candidate and reasons why I'm really proud that we endorsed her. The second thing I would say is that we actually think that having two structural change candidates, Bernie and Warren, in the race is a good thing for progressives. Um, And we think both of them pushing the structural change agenda and pushing that flank and having healthy competition with one another is good for mass movements, right? So Working Families Party, we endorse, you know, you know, hundreds of, of candidates uh, every year, um, and we believe in our candidates. But ultimately what we understand, for example, with uh, 2020, at some point in the first week of November 2020, this campaign will be over, th- this conversation will be settled, but our movement— We hope. <laughs> we hope. Actually, there's a question around that yes, because yes. there's some scenarios where, the, where, where it won't be settled. <laughs> we'll and open up that box later. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and we need to make sure that we have a united, united left. We need to make sure that progressives are united. Under any circumstance, we need to be united around that agenda. So for us, it's about our politics and our movement and our agenda first and then candidates that could advance it. And so having Bernie and Warren in the race is a good thing. And we're excited when people endorse either one of them and get on the ground and, and move their agenda because it's, it's good for progressive movements. It's good for working people. Um, what do you make last, – as we're recording this, this is the day after the debate last night. And um, I know you were traveling during the debate, but yep. you, you're familiar with what went on. Uh, the uh, one thing – Warren was pressed on why she won't say when she's talking about funding her – um, uh, Medicare for All plan. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's Bernie's Medicare for All plan. Mm-hmm. She hasn't rolled out her own yet. Mm-hmm. She declines to say that she will raise taxes on middle class people, even though that's what Bernie's plan does. Why, is that a mistake? Why doesn't she just say it and say, hey, I'm going to be upfront. Yes, it's going to raise your taxes, but ultimately costs will come down. What's so What's so yeah. wrong about saying that? So when I, when I see that, yeah. I see the um, sort of third way centrist sort of corporate flank of the Democratic Party trying to create a gotcha moment yeah. uh, where, listen, of course, in order to raise enough money to have 
to to have Medicare for all, to have a single payer system in the United States. It's going to require a lot of money, and we're going to derive that money from taxes, right? Now, if you only focus on one part of the equation, the taxes, you don't tell the full story. Every day, like working people, people like my mom, people like my cousin, what they care about is ultimately the cost. Like, how much is this going to cost me? And so she focuses, I think, on the actual question that people care about. But can't you say both? Can't you say, yeah, the cost will go down, but yeah, your taxes are going to go up. Sure, you could say that, but what I think they're attempting to do is to do a gotcha taxes go up moment. Right. And what she's, a try- what she's trying to explain, and I think she, she does a good job of it, and I actually don't get the controversy as much, mm-hmm. is the fact that, look, um, we spend more money on healthcare as a nation than any other nation per mm-hmm. capita. Um, and personally, we spend a lot of money on healthcare. All of your bills would be wrapped up in a single-payer program, right? Which means that we'll have to pay more taxes. Middle-class people will pay right. more taxes. But look at your healthcare bills, right? Many people are paying $5,000 deductibles, for example. Those won't exist anymore, right? And so she's explaining to, to me in a holistic way the fact that the impact on working people, the impact on middle class people, on poor folks, would be clearly a, a net positive in terms of the amount of money that comes out of your pocket in order to make sure that you and your family have health care. So she's talking bottom line. Yeah. And, and, and like, you know, I know people have tried to corner her on this, but what I think, and I think it's, it's smart and appropriate, what she's trying to do is not fall into that trap. That like, oh, so you're going to raise people's taxes. It's like, right. well, of, of course, this is how government works, right? <laughs> but the bottom line is if we remove the private health care system as a barrier between you and the provision of quality health care, we will globally lower cost and we'll lower cost for you. Right. And, and I think she makes that argument really well. And I know that I know that they have their talking points and they've figured out ways yes, of trying yes, to. Yes, yes. And I think that that's what that's about. But sure. I don't think she's trying to hide the ball or, you know, somehow trying to be dishonest. I think right. she's actually explaining the full thing. I want to ask you one more thing. Yeah. I know you got to run here. But um, uh, shortly before we recorded this, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez endorsed Bernie Sanders uh, Ilhan Omar from uh, Minnesota, another congresswoman, uh, two prominent uh, congresswomen of color, yeah, freshmen. We've we've endorsed them. Yeah. Yes, you've endorsed, and um, they're out for Bernie. Um, this what is that for? Again, for progressives trying to make up their mind between the two. You have working families on one. You have these two uh, uh, representing young women of color yeah. in the party. What what should folks make of that? Is this a, is working family party? Are you on the wrong side of history? Here? What's going on, man? <laughs> no, I think it's exciting. This is democracy, and yes. I think like what we've been saying all along is that organized capital and the white nationalists mm-hmm. have their candidate, and they are organizing for their candidate, right? That the third way folks they have their candidate or candidates, right? And progressives and people on the left and other folks need to have their candidate. And for us, it's pretty clear that there's two standout candidates. And folks need to choose and get involved and organize like they've never done before for mm-hmm. their candidate. And so if that's that's Warren, where, where we've landed, or Bernie, that's a good thing for democracy. It's a good thing for progressives. And I'm really excited and proud that they stuck their neck out and said, 
this is our candidate. Let's go. That's a, a good thing. And that will energize this, uh, this campaign and energize the, the issues and the, the structural change plank of the Democratic primary, which I think is a good thing. Um, and so I'm actually really, really happy that they do. And I hope more people, more uh, elected officials, more organizations like our, our, like our partners uh, decide to get off the sidelines and get in the fight and choose their candidate. Of course, we hope folks join us with Elizabeth Warren. But uh, again, the the work that we need to do, the organizing work, is not for Bernie folks to convince Warren folks who have already decided to align with Warren or Warren folks to convince Bernie folks. There's millions of people who are still trying to figure it out. You know, Essence Magazine did a poll. 24% of black women, the, the highest num- percentage, are still trying to figure it out. And so that number is more intriguing to me. I, I think having an internecine fight between progressives is self-defeating. I think that there are um, meaningful uh, differences that people could engage in and struggle around in good faith around uh, why a, a Bernie candidacy, a Warren candidacy would be better or worse, and that should happen. And at the same time, I think progressives need to be united around the big picture structural change that both of them are advancing. All right. Where's Mitchell? Thank, we could talk for hours here. Yeah. You, will yeah. you come back on the show? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. This was fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'd like to thank you all for listening. I'd like to thank Maurice for joining us here in San Francisco for the podcast. I'd like to thank the King, King Kaufman, for producing this podcast. And the great one, Karen Creighton, for also producing this podcast. And remember, whether you're for Warren or Sanders or any of the 92 other Democrats running for president, it's all political. It's All Political is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is our editor-in-chief. Our music, our theme music that we have is Cattle Call. That's written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Crow Song. If you like this show, subscribe, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For more great journalism like this, subscribe to the San Francisco Chronicle at sanfranciscochronicle.com slash subscribe. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Garofoli. Thanks.